1 Samuel chapter 16 and starting at verse number 11. Uh, pretty familiar story for those of us that have, uh, have, have, have read the Bible before. We have this story of Samuel and uh, Jesse. Jesse is the, the, the father of, of David who's going to be the king of Israel. The David that's going to slay that giant Goliath. We find here that Saul is very, or rather Samuel is very upset because the king of Israel at that time, Saul, has decided to walk away from God. And so Samuel is weeping, he's crying. But the Lord finally speaks to Samuel, says, Samuel, you need to get up, you need to quit crying. I have something greater for you. I want you to go to the house of Jesse, and there you're going to anoint the next king of Israel. And so the Bible says that seven of Jesse's sons passed before Samuel and before Jesse. And we pick up the story here at verse number 11. Samuel, the Bible says, looks and says unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him. And this passage right here, this little portion of the scripture, this is what I want us to pay attention to. He says, I want you to go and I want you to get him. For we will not sit down. Turn to your neighbor and say, we will not sit down. For we will not sit down till he come hither. I would like to preach for the next few moments on this simple title, You May Not Be Seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, you may not be seated. Some of y'all mad at me already. Y'all like, yeah, I'm about to be seated, bro, whether you ask me or not. I'm, I'm going to sit down. But in your spirit today, sometimes you just have to make up your mind, no matter what happens in my life, I will not sit down down. I am determined. I am persuaded that God is going to move in my life and I will not sit down until I see him perform every word that he promised to me. I wonder one more time, would you lift up your hands all across this room and would you begin to pray right now? Come on, in this place, I believe that God is going to do something supernatural. Would you lift up your voice? Would you lift up your hands right now all across this room and would you begin to pray? In the name of Jesus, God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would move like only you can move. Do what only you can do, God. We expect for your power and your presence to move in this place in a supernatural way. Let your word be that seed that would get down in every heart and in every life. Lord, let it get into the soil of our being and let it bring forth fruit, Lord. For that is his purpose and that's his intent. We praise you. We worship you for it in Jesus' name. Someone say, in Jesus' name. Amen. One more time. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Amen. And you may not be, you may be seated. Speaking of sitting, have you ever thought of what life would be like if you decided to never sit again? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, me either. I never thought of it until I began to prepare this message. What would life be like if we never sat down? I think sitting is such a habitual part of our everyday lives that we haven't really probably stopped to consider the effects that it has on our 
bodies. But as insignificant as it seems, can I tell you, sitting affects our bodies in greater ways than we really realize. When we sit, the electrical activity in the muscles drops, leading to a cascade of harmful metabolic effects. Your calorie burning rate immediately plunges to about one per minute, a third of what it would be if you got up and walked around. Your insulin effectiveness drops within a single day, and the risk of developing type 2 diabetes rises, and so does the risk of being overweight. And over a lifetime, the unhelpful effects of simply sitting begin to add up. Alpha Patel, an epidemiologist at the American Cancer Society, tracked the health of 123,000 Americans between 1992 and 2006. The men in the study who spent six or more hours of their day uh, sitting had an overall death rate that was about 20% higher than those men who sat for three hours or less. The death rate for women who sat for more than six hours a day was about 40% higher. And Patel estimates that on average, people who simply sit too much shave a few years off of their lives. This grave truth that research has exposed about the simple act of sitting calls for Dan Coist, a writer, editor, and podcaster at the New York Times Magazine to make a drastic decision that he would not sit down for one entire month. That's right. Dan made up his mind that he was not going to sit down for an entire month. So dedicated was Dan to this task that Dan said, the only times in which I will sit down is when I am driving in my car, when I'm sleeping in my bed, or when I'm sitting on the throne of glory. Amen. And for that, Dan, we give God praise that you made that decision. He said, the only time that I'm going to sit down is when I'm driving, sleeping, or sitting on the throne of glory. But, you know, at the end of that entire month, the results of Dan's findings and the result of that decision to not sit down were simply astonishing. At the end of that month, Dan, simply by not sitting down, lost five pounds, gained drastic muscle definition in his legs, cut his wasted time down drastically, and walked more than 92.5 miles without even trying effortlessly. All because Dan made a decision that he would not sit down. I feel in my spirit today to liken this story of Dan Coes to many of us in our spiritual walk with God. Many of us today are standing on the cusp of the results that we've so desperately longed for. The revival in our heart and in our soul and in our families that we've cried out to God for. We are standing right on the brink of it. But can I tell you the enemy has tried to do with many of us as he has done so many times before. He has convinced us not to give up on God. Not to commit some grave sin or transgression. Not to do some great evil act. But the enemy has convinced many of us to, to simply sit down. To become lax in our approach to God and the things of God. Go to church, but don't you worship too hard. Pray, but don't you get too excited. Give here a little and give there a little, but don't you dare give sacrificially. Just relax, take it easy, and sit down. 
how innocent it seems to sit down. How innocent it seems to just relax and take our leaves. But can I tell you, just as it is in the physical, so it is in the spiritual, sitting is not as innocent as it seems. When we sit in our spirit, we are at risk to become spiritually overweight. When we sit, the muscles of our faith and our belief in God begin to wane away and atrophy. When we sit, our spiritual man is much more at risk of dying before seeing the fulfillment of every promise that God has made to us and for us. But can I just preach to somebody this afternoon? But when a child of God makes up their mind, no matter what it is, is going on in my life I will not sit down can I tell you that's when God begins to do things in their life I know I'm preaching to some people today you've been through some tough situations you've been through some hard times and the enemy of your soul would try to tell you the best thing for you to do is just to give up the best thing for you to do is just throw in the towel your best days are behind you but I've just come with an encouragement encouraging word for somebody this afternoon and tell you it's not time to give up. It's not time to throw in the towel. It's time to keep standing, keep believing, keep trusting in God because God is getting ready to do something in your life. You ought to put your hands together in this room if you believe we serve a God that's getting ready. Come on, we sang it this morning. God is not done with you yet. There is so much more to your story. Come on, we serve the author and the finisher of your faith. And I've just come to tell somebody he's not done writing your story. He's not done writing this chapter of your life. It's not over. God is still doing something, but you can't sit down and give up. Somebody say amen. Make up your mind today that I will not sit down. What am I saying? Here's what I'm simply saying. Your posture matters. How you wait matters. If you don't get anything else that I'm preaching this morning, I want you to get that. How you wait for God to fulfill what he has spoken in your life matters. You can't simply wait in a way that is kind of lackadaisical and you just kind of go through the motions. Because here's the thing, just as it is in the physical, so it is in the spiritual. Anybody ever been in a hospital bed before? And, and, and it's been a while since you've stood up and walked and you've been seated, you've been laying down. And all of a sudden, it comes time to get up. And no one has done anything to your legs. Your legs were fine. Nobody's done anything. As a matter of fact, you feel good. But the moment you try to stand up after you've been seated for a long time, what happens? You have the ability. You, you realize you don't have the ability to stand that you once had. What happened? You simply quit standing. And when you quit standing and when you sit, can I tell you, those muscles in your legs become weak. Can I tell you, it's the same way in our spirit, man. When we don't remain standing, the muscles of our faith can get weak. When we don't make up our mind to exercise our faith and keep standing, even though everything is going wrong in our lives, can I tell you, our faith and our, our belief in God kind of begins to shrink a little bit. But I've just come to, again, encourage somebody in this place and tell you, you need to keep standing. 
standing. You need to keep being faithful. You need to keep pushing. You need to keep pressing. I know it's hard right now. I know it's tough right now. But can I tell you, I believe that your strength is coming. I believe that God is getting ready to do something in your life. But you'll never see it if you don't remain standing. If you make up your mind to sit down. I think of the story that we're that we read in our scripture text this morning of the prophet Samuel. The Bible lets us know that Samuel is angry. Samuel is sad. Samuel is despondent because the one person that he had invested everything in, King Saul, has made up his mind that he does not want to live for God any longer. Can I tell you, there is nothing that causes for us to grieve like the decision of someone that we love to not live for God. It's terrible. I, I really didn't know that feeling until I had family and sisters that walked away from God, but there is nothing more painful than, than someone that you love, someone that you care about deeply, making the decision they don't want to live for God. So understandably so, the, the prophet Samuel is completely demoralized. He is saddened by what has happened and the decisions that Saul has made. And the Bible lets us know that he's weeping and crying. And I, I would I, the Bible doesn't explicitly say this, but I, I believe it's pretty implicit that, that Samuel was probably in his bed somewhere crying, you know, one of those days like we all have every now and then where you can't get up out the bed. Anybody ever been there before? You try to get out the bed and you just cannot. I mean, it's like your head is glued to the pillow. You've been crying. You've been sleeping all night. You've been restless. And the moment you try to get up and go about your day, you just can't do it. That's where Samuel is at. He is depressed. He is grieving. He is in a place that, that is terrible and bad. He's in a bad headspace. But the Lord speaks to Samuel and says, Samuel, here's what I need you to understand. You can't stay here forever. Samuel, I know that you're going through tough times right now. But Samuel, you cannot grieve forever. Can I just tell somebody this right now? Grieving is normal. Being sad when tough things happen is normal. Going through difficult, traumatizing situations and how they affect us and cause us to be sad and to be broken and to grieve, that is normal. But can I tell you, contrary to what the world and society might tell you, it is not normal for you to be that way forever. It's the will of God, as a matter of fact, that you have joy. It is the will of God that you have peace. It is the will of God that you get up out of that place of depression. It is the will of God that you... I'm preaching to somebody right now that's struggling with fear, that's struggling with depression, that might be struggling with anxiety. Can I tell you, it's the will of God that you be free from that stuff. Come on, weeping may endure for a night, but I believe my Bible says joy comes in the morning. You may be weeping right now, but can I tell you, I feel joy getting ready to come, but you got to get up. You can't stay where you are, Samuel. You got to get up. You may not be seated, Samuel, if you want to see everything that God has for you at some point. I don't mean to be insensitive, but I feel like I'm talking to someone right now. I know it's tough. I know it's difficult. I know it's been hard, and I don't mean to be insensitive. There's a proper place for grieving. You must grieve. You must be sad. You must go through all those emotions that are that are healthy and real. I'm not saying to fast forward through that, but can I tell you, sometimes we have the tendency and the ability to camp out there for a long time when God is saying, listen, I didn't mean for you to stay there that long. I got something right in the very distant future for you if you would just get up from where you are. And the Bible says that Samuel 
upon hearing that word from God, decides, I'm going to get up. And I'm going to go to the house of Jesse. The Lord speaks to Samuel and says, Samuel, if you'll get up right now and go to the house of Jesse, what I'm getting ready to do is going to be so much greater than what you previously experienced. I know I poured out my anointing upon Saul, but there's somebody that's, that's coming after Saul. There's a man after my own heart in a pasture somewhere uh, watching sheep. And, and if you're worried about what happened in the past, you'll miss what I'm trying to do in the future. But if you'll get up right now and begin to march toward what I have for you in the future, it is so much greater. Can I tell somebody right now, if you'll quit worrying about what happened in the past and begin to look towards the future that God has for you, what was in the past cannot even begin to compare to what God has for you you and your future. Can I tell you greater things are coming. Greater anointing is coming. Greater peace is coming. Greater joy is coming because God is getting ready to do something that is beyond anything you could ever ask, think or imagine, but you won't see it if you stay where you are. At some point you got to make up your mind to get up. Come on Samuel, I know you've been down for a long time, but it's time to get up. It's time to go. Here's what I believe. I believe Samuel was down and out. He was crying. He was weeping. He was depressed. All of those things. But Samuel said, you know what? I'm making up my mind. When I get up from this place, when I get up from my pity party, when I get up from my weeping and my crying, I'm done crying until I see God fulfill the word that he just gave to me. I believe that Samuel right then, right there said, you know what? I will not sit down again. Until I see God do what he told me he was getting ready to do. He just told me there's a fresh anointing that's getting ready to be poured out in the nation of Israel. He told me there's a fresh anointing that's getting ready to be poured out in my life. And it may be a journey to get there. But until I see him do it, I will not give up. I will not throw in the towel. I, come on, somebody. I've come to tell you your posture matters. How you wait matters. Come on. I'm not just going to wait on the sidelines with my arms folded. No, I'm going to wait eager with expectation that God is going to, I'm not going to be seated. I'm going to stand with expectation that God's anointing is getting ready to be poured out in my life. You ought to clap your hands if you believe that. Oh, come on, somebody. I said God's got so much more for you. God's so much greater for you. The Bible says the prophet Samuel gets up. He goes to the house of Jesse. He gets there. And, and the Bible says that seven of Jesse's sons passed before Samuel and Jesse. But none of them are the fulfillment of the promise that God just made to Samuel. Anybody ever been there before? Where you, you've gotten a word from God. And, and you think that, that this time is surely the time that God is going to fulfill his word. And you get there, and they come come to church, or they tell you that they're going to come to church, and it's Saturday night, and all of a sudden you come into Stella, and you're expecting them to be right there beside you, and then they're not there. Or, or, or you get in church, and, and someone says, I believe God's getting ready to heal your body. And my goodness, you get excited about it. You start running and jumping. God, I claim your word. I, I believe it. It is so. And you go to the doctor fully expecting for the doctor to say, you've been healed. And then you get there, and nothing's happened. Nothing's changed. Anybody ever been there before? 
I've been there before. I, I've been there, and I, I've thought to myself, God, this is just cruel. You know what I mean? Like, this is not fair. It feels like you're playing some sick, twisted joke on me, God. It, it feels as if you're just trying to see how much you can kind of string me along, how much you can, how much you can just kind of play with my emotions here. What are you doing? I got to be honest with you. After son number three, James might have been out of there. You know, like after three sons that passed by, God, listen, if you hadn't done it now, I don't think you're going to do it. Y'all looking at me real weird like you ain't ever been there before. Like, no, I have never done that. Emma. Everything God said, I believed it right then and right there forever. But seven of Jesse's sons passed before Samuel and Jesse. Bible says none of them are it. At this point, I want you to understand, as far as, as Jesse could see and as far as, or, or rather, as far as Samuel could see, there was no more hope in the house. Samuel did not know Jesse. Jesse did not know Samuel. How do I know that? Because of what he asked next. But before we get to what he asked, I want you to understand they did not know each other. So as far as David knows, every ounce of hope has now been expended. There's no other hope. He's looking around. I don't see anybody else. I, I think that's everybody in the room. I, I think that's everybody. But, but here's the thing about people that make up their mind not to sit down. Even when there's no hope in the house, that does not keep them to begin from probing for hope. Even when they cannot see God's hand working, they don't, they don't fall into the trap that God is not working. Even when they can't see the hand of God moving in their life, they don't fall into the trap that just because I can't see how he's working, it must mean he's not working. No, the people that made up their mind, they're going to keep standing even when there's no hope that can be seen. They begin to probe for hope. They begin to ask the question, God, uh, there's got to be something else. There's got to be something else that you're doing. I know it's seems hopeless right now but God there's got to be it can't be over yet and all of a sudden Samuel pipes up and he asks a question are here all thy sons now some of y'all think y'all you probably read that before and just kind of glossed that is a big question to ask he does not know the answer to that question but you know what he was so determined to see what God had promised him that he begins to probe for hope he begins to say it cannot be over yet it cannot be done yet and so he asked the question are here all thy children the Bible says that Jesse pipes up and he responds I mean yeah there remaineth yet the youngest but he keepeth the sheep now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I thought, man, that is a bit cynical. I mean, I mean, there remaineth yet. The, why'd you have to say it like that, bro? Why, why couldn't you say, I got my son, Dave? You ever met anyone like that before? You begin to tell them of all the wonderful things that God is going to do. Man, God just gave me a word that he's getting ready to heal my family. Whoa, praise God. He's getting ready. And they're like, um, but have you seen your family? You know, like. No, have you really taken a deep look at your family and like really, like God is really going to be blessed? Like, I, I don't know, man. Um, have, you, have you actually ever seen what, what's going on here before? Anybody ever been there before? Listen, 
I don't want to be around somebody that whenever I come to them and, and, and I have hope in my heart and I have belief in my heart, I say, you know what? God has made me a promise. He's getting ready to do something. I don't want to be like a Jesse that says, well, they're remaining the youngest, but he keeps it the sheep. I don't want to be the person that says, well, I mean, maybe God could do that, but I, I don't really believe that that's the way that God is going to move. No, I want to be the person that when my brother and my sister comes up to me and says, you know what? God just spoke to me that he's getting ready to do something in my family. I want to be the one that binds together with them and say, come on, let's go. I know how impossible it seems, but we serve a God that is able. Come on, with man it may be impossible, but with God all things are. Come on, somebody. I wonder if there would be somebody in this room today that say, hey, I'm going to believe with my brother. I'm going to believe with my sister. I may not understand how or when, but I believe that God is going to do something. I want to be an encourager, Pastor Devin. I want to be someone that gets alongside someone and says, you know what? I'm going to believe with you. I'm going to, I'm going to pray with you. We got too many Jessies in the church sometimes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. I don't know. There remaineth yet the youngest, but he keepeth the, the, the sheep. You know what I wonder sometimes? I wonder if in the, in the story in the Bible when Elijah was getting ready to, or Elijah rather had, had, had said it's getting ready to rain. It had been a drought in the land for a long time. And the prophet Elijah says, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. He's declaring something. God has given him a word. Then he sends his servant out. I want you to go and see if there's any there's anything kind of happening out there in the ocean. I want you to see if there's any clouds forming. We hadn't seen clouds in years, but I just want you to go out there and see. I need, I, there's got to be something happening. God's already told me. This is what I wonder. I wonder if the servant went out there, and as he's viewing out over the sea and the ocean, if the first time he goes, he sees that cloud the size of a man's hand. The Bible says that he saw. And I wonder if when he saw that cloud, he said what Jesse said. Oh, there remaineth yet the youngest, but he keepeth the sheep. Like I, I, There is a little bit of hope, but I'm telling you, it's, it's not that way. God is not going to move that way. I wonder if he, was, if he saw that cloud the size of the man's hand, and, and he thought to himself, I think that might be, that's a, that is, it's a cloud. It's a cloud, albeit a very small cloud, but it's a cloud. But that can't be how God is going to move. And he goes back to Elijah. Elijah's like, what did you see? You had to have saw something. God spoke to me. He said, see anything man I didn't see I wonder if every time he went out there he saw but finally that that last time he goes out there and he sees that cloud he's like this has to be it this hat and he goes back Elijah what did you see I mean I did see a cloud the size of a man's hand and Elijah is exactly like the prophet Samuel, he's the type of man that will not sit down until he sees God do what he said that he was going to do. And Elijah says, man, that is all that I need. I know you think that's nothing. I know you think that's just some arbitrary little cloud out there, but it is not. That's the hand of God moving in my life. To you, it may seem small. To you, it may seem insignificant. But I got a promise from God that it's getting ready to rain, and that's all that I need. It's getting ready to rain. I've come to preach to somebody that's got a little promise out there that nobody thinks is significant. 
significant at all. Can I tell you it may not be significant to them, but don't you listen to them. If God has spoken something in your life, uh, you can put your faith in it. Uh, you can put your hope in it. It's getting ready to happen. No matter how small or minuscule it seems, uh, God is getting ready to move in your life. I wonder right now if somebody would give God praise. Uh, if you believe that God is getting ready to move in your home, if you believe God is getting ready to move in your marriage, if you believe God is getting ready to move in your life, But it happened when a man made up his mind, I will not sit down. It's funny. Elijah was the same as Samuel. Elijah just wouldn't sit down. I believe it was seven times or several times he went out there. Prophet, the, the servant comes back, you see anything? No, I didn't see anything. Go again. Comes back, you see anything? No, I didn't see anything. Go again. I mean, he kept sending this guy out until he said, listen, man. We can do this all day long. You need to go out there until you see something. Make something up. I don't care what you have to do. God's getting ready to do something. Elijah was the type of person that would not sit down. He's the same as the prophet Samuel. The Bible says that the prophet Samuel, after, after Jesse says to him, there remaineth yet the youngest, but he keepeth the sheep. Jesse's like, I don't think this is really how God is going to do it, but I'm just going to let you know because you asked. And he says, sin and Fetch him. I want you to go and get him. I know you don't think this is the way that God is going to move, but I've already made up my mind that God is going to do. He's already given me a word. He's already told me that it's getting ready to happen. I want you to send and fetch. I want you to go and get him. And then he says what I've been preaching the entire time. He says, for we will not sit down till he come hither. Till he gets to this place, we're not sitting down. I've already made up my mind. I've been crying. Listen, you don't know my story. You don't know what I've been through, man. You don't know the depression and the stuff that God brought me out of. I've, been, I've done all the crying stuff, and it doesn't help me that much. I've done all the weeping stuff. But let me tell you something right now. I've made up my mind. Until I see God do what he said he was going to do, I will not sit down. Can I tell somebody, your posture matters. How you wait matters. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You're like, listen, God, I believe that perhaps, maybe, kind of, sort of, hopefully you'll do it one day, but I'm just going to let you know until you begin to do it, I'm just going to kind of relax a little bit. Can I tell you, I've seen it time and time again, people who have that mindset and they don't make it around the sea. Why? Was it the word of God that, 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 was, that, that was faulty? No. You got to be in a place to where you're around to see everything that God has promised. And here's what happens. Your faith begins to atrophy. Your faith begins to wane away. You have, listen, faith, if I've ever seen it, if I've ever known anything to be true, I want you to hear me. Faith is a muscle. If you do not use it, you will lose it. You must use that muscle of faith. It must be exercised. If faith is not exercised, you begin to lose your faith. But can I tell you, when there's somebody that makes up their mind, I'm going to exercise my faith, I don't see anything happening right now. I don't see any hope right now. I don't see any sign of life right now. But God, I'm going to exercise my faith and I'm going to pray like it's happening right now. I'm going to pray like my family's getting walked 
getting ready to walk through those doors right now. I'm going to pray like my body's getting ready to be healed right now. It's been two, three, four years that I've been dealing with this. But God, I'm going to worship like you're going to do it right now. I'm going to praise like you're going to do it right now. What are you doing? You're exercising that muscle of faith. You're making up your mind that you're not going to be content with status quo. You're making up your mind that as I wait, I'm going to wait with expectation. I want you to stand. I'm coming to a close right now. Bible says, Samuel says, we will not sit down till he come hither. And because of a man that makes up his mind, no matter what happens, I'm not going to be seated. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to throw in the towel because of that. The anointing of God is poured out on Israel. In a fresh and in a real way. Greatest king of Israel is anointed that day. All because a man made up his mind that no matter what happens, I will not sit down. Here's what I want to leave you with today. Some of you are like, okay, I hear you preaching. I hear what you're saying. Makes a lot of sense. Resonates with my spirit. I feel like you're preaching to me. But here's the thing. You said it earlier. When you've been sitting for a long time, it's almost impossible to get up on your own. And the truth is, James, I, I've, I've tried to get up. I really have. I've tried. I, I have tried on my own, in my own power, my own strength to get up from where I am right now. And every time I try, I just don't have the strength to get up. Every time I make an effort to, to do better with this issue in my life, every time I make an effort to come to church, I feel like I just don't have the strength to be faithful to the house of God. I just don't have the strength. I, I just can't do it. But, but here's what I want to encourage you with today. We find Ezekiel is in a very similar place in Ezekiel chapter 2 and verse 1. Israel collectively had been in a place of spiritual apathy, and they had all collectively made up their mind to sit down. On God. The word of God had not been spoken over Israel in years and years and years. But all of a sudden, the word of the Lord comes to Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter number two and verse one. And the Bible says that God speaks to him and says, Ezekiel, stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. Now, I want you to think about that. God, why couldn't you speak to him while he was sitting down? For all of you that says posture does not matter, God can speak to me right here, brother, while I'm sitting. Well, yes, he can. But let me tell you, more often than not, God will not move until he sees us move. There are times he will move without seeing us move. But God says, listen, Ezekiel, here's, here's what I need you to understand. I need you first to get up on your feet because you're not going to hear anything I'm speaking to you as long as you're sitting down. Because when you're sitting down, you're hearing all the noises. You're hearing, you're hearing what everybody else is saying. Your posture, just the way that you're standing, I can the way you're sitting, I can tell you're not ready to hear what I'm getting ready to say to you. So before I even speak to you, here's what I need you to do. I need you to fix your posture. I need you to stand up on your feet that you may hear what I'm getting ready to speak to you. I've come to tell somebody right now, you can't hear what God is even trying to speak to you right now because you're sitting, sitting down. 
But if you make up your mind today, God, I'll take the first step and I'm going to stand. I'll take the first step and I'm going to get up on my feet. You're going to begin to hear the voice of God speak to you loud and clear. Come on, some of you hadn't heard God speak to you in a long time. But I'm telling you right now, if you'll make up your mind to stand today, the voice of God is going to begin to speak loud and clear to your heart and to your spirit. Some of you are as lost as lost can be. But I'm telling you right now, when you stand, God is going to give direction. God is going to give guidance. His voice is going to speak to you you but Ezekiel you got to stand up on your feet that you may hear but I will speak unto thee and here's what's interesting Ezekiel a man who had been seated Israel as a nation who had been seated collectively for years and years and years that did not have the strength to stand here's what I believe happened Ezekiel who didn't have the strength to stand said, you know what? I'm just going to try. I'm just going to try. I, really, I, I don't have the strength to stand. I, I don't have the strength to keep moving forward. But God, you spoke to me and said, it's time to stand. So you know what I'm going to do? I, I'm going to try. I'm going to make an effort. I'm going to give it everything that I have. And so Ezekiel tried. And as he began to make an effort, listen to what the Bible says happens in verse number 2. And the Spirit entered into me when he spake unto me and set me upon my feet that I heard him that spake unto me. Ezekiel, when you make an effort, to do what only you can do God will only God will do what only he can do and this spirit will enter into you and set you on your feet I've come to preach to somebody that's been down for a long time and you don't feel like you have the ability to get up if you'll just make an effort I feel the wind of God's spirit blowing into this room and he's getting ready to fill you and set you on your feet it's not going to be by your might it's not going to be by your power but it's going to be by the spirit of the almighty God the same breath that breathed into Adam and Eve at the beginning of time is breathing in this room. The same breath that calls for dry bones in Ezekiel to come to life. It's going to breathe in this room and it's going to set you on your feet.